What's going on? Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. I hope everyone is staying safe as we got a jam-packed podcast for you today as we're going to talk about the beginning of the NBA season for the 2020-21 season has been announced December 22nd and pretty much that's all we know up to this point and joining us today are our broadcasters for both television and radio. John DeShazer, radio analyst. Todd Graffney, the radio voice of the Pelicans. Joel Myers, television voice of your New Orleans Pelicans and Antonio Daniels. Pelicans television analyst. Guys, we're going to go around the virtual room here and kind of just get your overall thoughts on the fact that uh, the season is is quickly approaching here, but we really don't have an idea of anything else besides that. I'll start with JD at Work My Way Around. JD, when you heard the news about December 22nd, were you surprised or you kind of figured this is a, a good chance for this the season to get going? Well, I was pretty hyped, to be honest with you. Um, and I know the season just ended, you know, in October, but you know, I'm ready to see some hoops. I'm ready to uh, to, to call some games, and so I was I was I was pleasantly surprised. Now, you know, I know initially I don't think the players were all that much in favor of beginning that early, and I can understand that uh, for some of them, uh, maybe wanting to push it into January. And yet, I think it's a good time to start, especially if you want to fit in as many games as you can. And when you start talking about money, <laughs> you got to get it going. Uh, so. You know that's why they're getting it going. And look again, I'm excited, man. I'm ready to. See, I'm ready for some hoops. Yeah, I think we all are. Todd, what about you? Just kind of hearing the the news. And again, we don't know about when we're going to play, who we're going to play, how many teams. You know, 72 games, which is more than the eight that we had in July and August. What were your thoughts on the December 22nd start date? Well, I mean, I know I'm going to echo the sentiments of everybody here, but obviously, I'm very fired up that we're going to get this thing going earlier than later, but, but I actually was a little surprised. Now, when you heard the money figures, then it, it all made sense, but, but, you know, you had heard, you know, maybe MLK day, which is of course in mid to late January, then I, you would hear even that we would have started past the Super Bowl after February, because I think that the, the bottom line was they want to get people in the buildings, uh, which, you know, we'll, we'll see if that happens, how many are going to be allowed in as, as the season progresses. But when you hear the half a billion dollar figure and, and the December 22nd, if you're going to start December 22nd and get a half a billion dollars more other than starting on MLK Day or after the Super Bowl, well, I think that's how it all really came into being. And of course, you get that December 25th, that Christmas Day uh, marathon going. And it just, it makes a lot of sense. And as JD touched on, 72 games, they get everything done uh, prior to the Olympics, which I know they want to get uh, NBA guys in. And Joel, what I find interesting before I get to Antonio is you talk about some teams, whether they're going to have fans or not. There's a team in Toronto that doesn't even know where they're going to play for this upcoming season. So it is, I think, going to be interesting to see how the NBA deals with certain situations, how they handle scheduling as far as do you keep days open in case of cancellations. We're seeing that in college football, NFL. Uh, it, it's just really fascinating to see that they are going to cram in these 72 games, but also at the same time, I think it's good that basketball is going to be back in, in over a month. Yeah. And Daniel, everybody's going to have the same schedule. Everybody's going to have 14 back-to-backs. That's what they've already uh, uh, talked about. Take into consideration as well, but each municipality is there's going to be different jurisdictions and regulations for each site. So some places, as we see in the NFL, they may have a few thousand fans, other places it's empty. So that's going to be up to the individual states, cities, but take this into consideration. And this is what was really important to the league. They want to get back to the normal window. 
when they did this deal with the TV partners, their deal was to end right after Memorial Day. The finals were going to end in June, early June. So they want to get back. This is that's the the real key. And plus 15 hours of programming on Christmas Day. And you guys have already touched on the economic aspect of it. But they want to get back to normal. And their TV partners want that same window that they want to start by the following season as they finish this season in July. Potentially, they want to get back to starting late October, 1st of November, the following year, because that's what their TV partners always wanted anyway. That's where those games are going to be presented. And that's why the ad revenue is such. So in the big picture, they just want to get back to what they used to do, which was late October with the finals ending in June. Antonio, when we talk about different teams and how long their layoffs have been, you have eight teams that haven't played since March, which is crazy. It's going to be over nine months when they finally get to play again. You have teams that just finished in October with the Lakers and the Miami Heat, and you have a lot of teams sprinkled in in between that, you know, it's been three or four months. How does that affect them as far as getting ready for a season when you've had teams with a long layoff, teams with a short layoff, or I guess does it really matter at the end of the day? Okay, let's – honestly speaking, I I think one of the most overrated um, aspects of this return is the rest – 71 days in between the end of the season and the beginning of the next season. And the only reason I find that relevant and I say it's overrated is this. There are a lot of teams. Most teams in this league have not played 82 games in a calendar season yet. So thinking about how that sounds. So when a entire calendar season, most teams haven't even played a full 82 game schedule yet. And again, we are talking about 2020. The word that does not exist in 2020 is normal. Nothing about anything in life has been normal, let alone the NBA schedule. So you can say, yeah, you know what? There's only 71 days in between the end of the season to the start of the next season, which I completely grasp the concept. But there also has never been a season where there's been a four-month hiatus in the middle of the season. You know, you look at one-third, almost one-third of this league has not played since March. There were eight teams that didn't go. And even if you take those eight teams, you look at teams like the Pelicans, you look at teams like Phoenix, you look at teams like uh, Memphis. So now you're up to one third of the league that hasn't played since the first or second week of August. So I I, I get the concept of what guys are accustomed to as far as the four, four and a half months in between the end of the season and the start of the next season. Nothing about 2020 is normal. All of our lives have been thrown a a curveball and we all have to adjust accordingly and I think Joe just brought up a great point I think two things that are incredibly important one is to end by the second week of July because the Olympics again the Olympics was supposed to be last year that got pushed back an entire year because of the coronavirus okay and second thing that Joe touched on is getting back to the October to April schedule Because the thing that a lot of people don't take into consideration, these guys are fathers. So if you start taking this season into June, July, and August, now you're missing that vacation time that you're accustomed to with your family. So when the season is ending for you, it's now starting the season as far as going to school for your children. So I think those two things are incredibly important. You have to look at the financial aspect of things. You have to look at being done by the Olympics. And also just getting back to the regular schedule of the October to April NBA season that we're accustomed to. And I tell you what, Daniel, let me, let me hop in there for a second. 
if this was a Baptist church, AD, I would jump up and shout, okay? <laughs> <laughs> because on, on the whole, as, as you mentioned, yeah, the season ended October. But to me, if max, you might have three, four teams that might have a gripe and say, you know, I'm a little bit tired. I mean, when you just mentioned, you know, the amount of teams that this shouldn't affect whatsoever at all. <laughs> uh, that's why you say, okay, let's get this going because really this isn't as much of a hardship as it's been made to be. And remember, and you know what? Yeah, let me just, honest, let me just throw this in as well, guys. Eight teams I, I didn't think... make it. Six teams, like the Pels, didn't get to the playoffs. There's 14. Right. Eight more were gone two weeks later. We're up to 22 of the 30 teams. Yeah. Uh, close to normal, if not. The, we're, we talked about it over the last couple of days, like you have on SiriusXM, NBA Radio AD. They're not victims. A lot mm -hmm. of people struggling, suffering, have really been impacted by what's going on right now. So, come on, guys, everybody's doing their part. You're not a victim. No one is. If anything, you're doing what you love. And we all make sacrifices, and a lot of people have sacrificed a lot more. I think it's one guy that has a legitimate gripe. And I will hear him out. LeBron James has a legitimate gripe. I get right. it. I completely understand it. There is not a person on this planet that has played more meaningful basketball over the last decade than LeBron James. If LeBron James wants to complain about the 71 days, I completely grasp the concept. But there's also a way to come to an agreement collectively as far as the calendar, starting training camp on December 1st, and then starting the games on December 22nd. But the Lakers also have the option to have LeBron James on his own individual uh, calendar. So mm -hmm. they may start on the first. That doesn't mean LeBron James has to start on the first right. because of the amount of tread that he has on his tires, because of his age and the fact that you want to have him ready, available, and healthy when you're getting into the playoff run, hopefully in June and July for the Los Angeles Lakers. AD, while I have you, speaking of players in transition, I think the one thing that is going to impact uh, is rookies. If we talk about the draft being yes. a week away. No yes. summer league for them. Really quick having to go to their cities and start. Just from a player perspective, how that's going to affect them as, as far as this is a very odd year for them to be a rookie in the NBA. See, and, and I think it affects two, um, two bases. The rookies is one, and the free agents is two. If we look, again, we have to throw the word normal out the door. What rookies are accustomed to is being drafted in June. You go to um, – Utah or Vegas and you play in summer league where you get an opportunity to see and get adjusted to the speed of the NBA game, all of these other things. Fantastic. Now you have all of July, August and September to get acclimated to your new situation, to where you're going to spend the next year, two, three or four of your NBA career. Now think about how this looks for rookies. Now you're drafted on November 20th camp starts 12 days later. What a difference. So the amount that you have to be emotionally, mentally, and physically prepared for, you talking about expediting the process as far as preparation is concerned. But again, there's nothing normal about this. NBA free agents, you become a free agent and you can, can start negotiating on the 20th, but you can't sign to the 22nd. Think about how many days you have from the time that you can sign the NBA deal to December 1st, again, you are talking about an essence of nine or 10 days to get moved, get your family moved, find schools, find your route to the practice facility, to the arena, all these things that you're accustomed to having the time for because of the season.
because of this shortened um, time in between, you no longer given this time. So you're going to have to adjust faster than any free agent has or faster than any rookie has in the history of this league. Joel, I want to get to you as far as I'm glad you mentioned free agents too, Antonio, because I feel like with, with the salary cap and how this is all working basically next week, Joel, how active do you think this, I guess, summer will not summer, this fall will be for the NBA, whether it's you're seeing a lot of, you know, leaks as far as potential trades on draft night. Um, we really don't know how free agency is going to go. Do you feel like it's going to be more of an active year or is it maybe teams are going to kind of wait and get through this season before trying to figure out some pieces of their puzzle? Well, most uh, most of the teams, Daniel, or everybody's talking about the free agent class of 2021. Some teams are going to be abstaining from signing, and, and it's not a great, great free agent class. There's power forwards, and there's an abundance, and there's some really good ones. But when you look at the guard situation, the shooting guard, the lead guard, and, and AD knows this. You guys know it as well. The free agent all the agents have relationships with every GM and VP of basketball operations. They've been talking for weeks now about the potential and where their guy could land. Who has interest? This is nothing new. So we talk about a date, but they've already got deals. They already have the parameters of an agreement done. Maybe they're using this leverage against another team, but there's conversations going on in the background. The league's not, they're not going to be able to do anything about that, and they haven't in the past. So when we talk about the 20th and the 22nd, the dates that AD just brought up, oh, they have an idea. I don't think we're going to have as many big free agent signings. Gallinari is out there. Um, uh, Davies, Bertans, that's why I bring up the power forward spot. Van Fleet at the at the guard spot. And he may command something from the Knicks as opposed to the Toronto Raptors drive up the price of the Raptors. But overall, I think one in three are going to flip-flop. Well, I think we're going to see trades draft night because I think one is going to go to Charlotte and they want Wiseman. Three is going to go to Minnesota with something attached to uh, a perk for them. I think we're going to see, as opposed to a lot of trades two days, three days before the draft, I think we'll see them draft night. They may have been done two or three days already behind the scenes, but draft night, I think you'll see some players and attached picks moving around. Before I get to Todd, I do want to go to JD here. And we talk about, AD talked about the adjustment for, you know, rookies and potential free agents. J.D., how about an adjustment for the Pelicans' new head coach and Stan Van Gundy? This is certainly going to be a, a speeded-up type process where he is getting in there, getting ready for a draft, getting ready for training camp, really not knowing the construction of this roster based on what could happen next week and forego on. But we do talk about what we hear from Stan Van Gundy is how prepared he is, the structure he is. So I guess how does that benefit a team like the Pelicans, even with a new head coach who have someone like Stan Van Gundy um, that has, has dealt with stuff like this before? Well, always helps to have a plan. And if he, if you got a plan, uh, you know what you want to do, you can implement and you can hit the ground running. Uh, he probably, he knows the core of the team that he's going to have. So, you know, he's probably already had conversations with those guys and the expectations that he has for those guys. But, you know, being out of the league as Stan Van Gundy was, got it, gave him an opportunity to kind of get an overview of the whole league. You know, hey, I like this concept. Hey, I don't like that concept. He gets a chance to look at the Pelicans and say, you know what? what I can do if I were the coach of that team. If I was king for a day, what would I do with that team? Well, now he's got all those ideas already that he can implement immediately as soon as he hits the ground. Because again, he already knows the core of who he's going to have. And one of the things I like about him and the things you hear about him is his forthrightness. And that's not to say that these guys haven't been accountable 
But I mean, he's been a guy, if you hearken to his Orlando days, his Detroit days, where he will tell it as it is. Uh, and sometimes that kind of frankness can shock a player. Uh, it's not always, you know, kid gloves, but I think it works. Um, he is a guy who will tell you some uncomfortable truths. And, you know, sometimes you need that. Uh, maybe even more so from a young team might need some of those uncomfortable truths because one, one thing Stan Van, Van Gunn has said is he's going to hold guys to their self-stated goals. So if you tell me you want to be the best defensive player in the league and I can show you instances where you're not rotating defensively or you're not closing out or you're not hustling back in transition, well, I'm going to show you that and say, okay, this is what you told me and this is what you're showing me. So which one is it? Because I'm going to hold you to your words. I'm not putting something in your mouth. This is what you told me. And I like that about it. I, I, I can't say how much more I like that about him because that kind of accountability. And again, I'm not saying that that kind of accountability hadn't been around, but if you want to be the best player you can be, then he, I think, can drag some of that out of you. That's really good points, J.D. Uh, before we wrap things up here, let's go to Todd. We talked about kind of how all of us have, have you know, really don't know what the situation is going to be like this year as far as broadcasters are concerned, whether there's travel, whether it's a bubble-like atmosphere for us in the Smoothie King Center. Are we watching home games? Are we not going to road games? But, Todd, I mean, that was your rookie season dealing with a, a, a lot of cert uncertainties here, and it might be the same thing again. Kind of what are the challenges as a broadcaster of, of going through something like this and, and potentially having to call more games uh, off a monitor than instead of being there in person. Well, you know, as far as what happened in the summertime, that was a, that was a first for all of us. And, and this is all around the league. You know, it, the thing that I think is going to be challenging for us as broadcasters, uh, even though everyone I'm uh, on this call with is a complete and utter professional. If you go back to what happened from the hiatus to the bubble, well, it was a continuation of a season we had already witnessed. There was no changes in the roster. Uh, everything was basically the same other than we were calling games on a monitor. The difference now is going to be we've got a new coaching staff. And I think we're very, very fortunate that we have been afforded the opportunity to watch our team practice on a daily basis. I mean, you think about even before training camp started last year, Daniel, we had watched maybe two months worth of workouts uh, at, at the Oscar Sports Performance Center. So we basically knew what we were going to get before training camp even started. Well, now that's not going to be the case. We don't know if we're even going to be allowed in to watch training camp. And to take JD's point, wouldn't you guys love to see the interaction between Stan Van Gundy and, and what's going on with the team? Uh, and, and we don't even know what the roster is going to be uh, in the next week. So it is completely different. And again, just being able to, to watch the team each and every day is such an advantage for us because that doesn't happen around the league. If you talk to other broadcasters, I think right. we're very, very fortunate in that aspect. And to not be there on a daily basis, it's going to be tough uh, for us to, to prepare because I think that's what makes our jobs easier and able to convey what we see to the audience about the team because we're there on a daily basis. And I, I would love to see the interaction between Stan Van Gundy, the new staff, and how the young guys, how the veterans uh, take to, to the new coaching staff. Are we going to be able to see that? Only time's going to tell. See, Let me throw for, something for me, in as well, guys. You know, AD, you think they're going to expand the rosters? You think they're going to have a partner like the NFL? Because 
you you there's no you have to prepare for what COVID may bring during the course. Yeah, you know, um, you you have to prepare for what COVID may bring. Right. You know, and the difference between Major League Baseball and the NFL and the NBA is there's no professional league out there that is more star driven than the NBA is. One person in the NBA makes a significant difference. LeBron James goes from one team to another team and the team that he left goes to the lottery and the team that he joins is in the championship conversation. And I think Todd just brought up such a great point. 2020 for me has been the year of perspective and appreciation because all of the things that we can do in the past that we can't do now, we've become so much more appreciative of. And let's take it out of the real life realm and let's just put it in our realm as broadcasters. Just like Todd just said, the ability to go, an opportunity to go and watch every training camp, to watch every practice, every single day. We all sat there together and laughed and joked and watched Zion do amazing things in practice and watched Brandon Ingram become the NBA's most improved player right in front of our eyes every day in practice. We watched the work that Zoe put in with B.I., with Coach Fred Vincent before and after practice. We saw all these things. At the time, you don't appreciate them. You almost feel like, well, it's a part of the job, you know, so you go and you do it. Now that 2020 is upon us and almost over, thank you, Lord. <laughs> but now it's like it's giving you a different appreciation to do some of the things that we may get, not get an opportunity to do because of what where COVID has brought us. Very good point, AD. I'm glad you brought that up because we are very appreciative of the things that we get to do for a living every single day. And the fact that basketball now is right around the corner. Uh, I think we're all just very excited to, to do our jobs again. Um, no matter how difficult or challenging it's going to be, there are, are plenty of other situations going on in this world and country Amen. that are, 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 are far worse off than what we have to deal with. So, and that's the beauty about this is, you know, even though this is a virtual kind of thing, one day we will be able to see each other again. And most likely we'll be in December or even media day if we're able to go in and talk to these players. But I do really appreciate <laughs> all of you coming on today and, and get your Zoom accounts updated here because I feel like we're going to be using them a lot uh, during this upcoming season. But I really do appreciate you guys coming on and sharing your insights about this upcoming season. For sure. It's good to see all you guys. Todd, J.D., Daniel and that other dude over there. I the can't other remember. Dude. <laughs> the other dude. It's good to see miss you guys, you, man. Miss you guys. Can't can't hug you. It'll be fist bumps forever. Uh, good to see you guys, man. Good to see good you. Can't wait for the twenty second, guys. Yeah, absolutely. We man. can't wait, and we have some more draft previews for you tomorrow. We'll tackle the pick number nine and pick number ten with the Washington Wizards and the Phoenix Suns, and then schedule to join us on Friday. Jameer Nelson, who played under head coach Dan Van Gundy in Orlando, and then, of course, the draft next Wednesday uh, for you guys. We'll get into that later on. All right, for Todd, for JD, for AD, and Joel Myers, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seaton.